Political outsider takes the night for Republican gubernatorial hopefuls and perhaps a warning sign for the Republican Party's Senate nominee. This is Grand Divisions, Tennessean politics podcast, a special episode. I'm Dave Boucher, investigative reporter. And I'm Joel Ebert, political reporter here on a late night. It's a late night. The The primary election votes are in. We think Shelby County has, voted all their, has counted all their votes yet. <laughs> We're not exactly sure. Uh, the candidates just wrapped up their, their speeches. Uh, it's almost 11 o'clock central time. Joel is just so fired up. He can't wait to talk <laughs> about these election results that came in. Outsider businessman, Williamson County farmer Bill Lee dominates in the Republican gubernatorial primary. Uh, Joel, what are some of your takeaways, immediate takeaways? From well, that? last count, uh, I had seen Bill Lee had 69 counties he won out of the state's 95. Uh, you had Randy Boyd with 22. Uh, Boyd came in second and Diane Black with an abysmal performance by only getting three counties, including only two in her congressional district. I think, you know, heading into this race, everybody expected Black to do a little bit better. Uh, certainly considered the front runner at the beginning. But as she and Randy Boyd started going back and forth in attack ads, uh, we really saw the Bill Lee surge was a, a real thing. For a while when that was happening, all the other campaigns said, oh, no, no, that's BS. This is baloney. But it ended up being a real deal. Well, and I read it the end, we heard some campaigns say, oh, well, maybe Lee's up three or four points, right. four or five points. He he cruised. He, he wins. Cruised. It, it appears at last uh, count we see with about 95% in, 36% for Lee, 24% for Boyd, and 23% for Black. Billy met with supporters in Franklin. He's known as a religious man. He kind of evoked his faith when he thanked them for their support throughout the campaign. And we put it on there. You know, that scripture meant an awful lot to me at a season of my life that was very dark. And that scripture says, as for me, I will always have hope. And Maria and I decided to put that on the side of that bus so that every day when we got on it, we could be reminded and that we could be challenged. And that I could remind myself that I have a great deal of hope for Tennessee. As you note, Lee was not the favorite coming into this race. He was essentially a, an unknown commodity compared to a sitting U.S. representative and a, a very well-known businessman out of Knoxville who was the, the Economic and Community Development Commissioner for, for Bill Haslam. What sort of a letdown is this both for Boyd and Black? And what is this sort of what are some of the political lessons that other campaigns can take from this? Well, I think it's a massive letdown. I mean, they put uh, a significant amount of money. Boyd put in 21 million, uh, you know, or at least spent that much uh, from his campaign. At he least. put in, I think, 19 million. Uh, you saw Black, I think, put in 12 million and spend, uh, you know, a, a huge chunk. So I think first lesson is money doesn't always win the election. Um, that's not necessarily the conventional wisdom. Uh, generally speaking, in the last handful of elections, we've seen, uh, you know, Governor Bill Haslam really dip into his pocketbooks uh, and really uh, become the the front runner, some people would argue, because of that. Uh, I was talking to former Lieutenant Governor Ron Ramsey today, and he seemed to believe that that is going to be the case going forward, that the richest candidate will win. So this at least certainly shakes up that idea. Uh, I think the other thing that, that factors into this is, 
The negative ads uh, this run may have cost the two believed to be front runners. We hadn't seen that in previous elections like this, at least not that I, I don't think anybody recalls. So it, it was almost the fact that they they counterattacked each other uh, and didn't take Bill Lee that seriously for that long. Uh, he rose above the fray as as I talked to. I think it was Ward Baker at one point. He said when two people are duking it out on the street and then there's a third guy saying, hey, I'm a nice guy over here. Who, who, who are people going to want to rally around? You know what? You know? That's fascinating in a state where Donald Trump won the primary election in 2016. He was certainly not the guy standing on the side of the street. He was the one throwing haymakers at anybody and everybody in a brawl. And yet the same people that gave him commanding victories in a primary and in the general apparently came out and voted for the quote unquote nice guy. Bill yeah. Lee, I think that's a fascinating dichotomy, especially because we saw Boyd and Black try to be the the Trump candidate. I mean, we saw it sounded it looked like Diane Black was knocking on the White House door for the last month and a half. And I think trying to get him to, to, to come into the race. I think all along voters saw through the fact that Randy Boyd was not as far right as maybe some people thought. I mean, in his concession speech, he sat there and said, you know, I want to give a lot more praise to Governor Haslam. Uh, he's been forgotten about in this race. And uh, he really kind of played up, uh, Randy Boyd did, his moderate credentials a little bit more than the far right ones. Whereas Diane Black, she certainly tried to play as far right as possible. You know, I I think the other factor that that weighs into this race is we're in a state in politics where it looks like a lot of uh, anti-incumbent sentiment is just all across the country. We've seen multiple uh, candidates for Congress lose in their bids for higher office or for even re-election. So this may have just been Bill Lee being in the right place at the right time, not being any, you not having any political experience as much as he ran a positive campaign that was evidently good. Another race where a moderate clearly did well was the Democratic primary on the gubernatorial side. It's between former Nashville Mayor Carl Dean and House Minority Leader Craig Fitzhugh. I say it was between them in theory. <laughs> in politi- uh, political parlance, you call that a, a beatdown. A smoking. Um, yeah. A smoking. <laughs> a, 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 a thumping. Carl Dean just came out and beat the pants off of Craig Fitzhugh. There was chatter in clearly a vocal minority of Tennessee Democrats that thought that Craig Fitzhugh could kind of sneak in on the left and run on this expand Medicaid eligibility and hit Carl Dean on his some of his education stances. And that just didn't materialize at all. Yeah, it, 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 at least, again, numbers that we've seen so far, 75% for, for Dean versus just 19% for Fitzhugh. I think it certainly is a disappointment for Fitzhugh, uh, who has a long career in the legislature and was hoping that he could turn that into uh, you know, grassroots support. Unfortunately, uh, for his political career for now, it seems that this is the, the, the last mark for it. The race was called very early in the night. Uh, former Mayor Dean met with and thanked his supporters who who who, uh, who came out to, to see him tonight and who are ready to support him in the general election. And I want to thank you for your support and, and believing in us, and I truly appreciate your confidence in our vision for Tennessee. I, have, I could not have done this without the strong support, encouragement, and endless campaigning that my wife Ann has done. 
Yeah, and as we saw in both, you know, reactions to uh, the candidates winning, immediately this race is going to become a national interest. I mean, we saw the Republican Governors Association, uh, the Democratic Governors Association immediately weigh in on the race. Uh, That's because, again, there are 36 36 governors races around the country, but Tennessee is going to be one of the more closely watched, uh, largely because Dean can win in in the right environment, I would say. We had our own political insider weigh in. on the both the gubernatorial, I'm sorry, the Republican primary and the Democratic primary. Take a listen to his insight here and some of his um, predictions, very early predictions, both for the governor's race and the U.S. Senate race. Joining us on the podcast is John Gear. He's a Vanderbilt University professor and he helps lead the Vanderbilt poll. John, thanks so much for taking the time tonight to speak with us. We appreciate it. Oh, happy to do it. So Bill Lee is just wrapping up his victory speech. Six months ago, eight months ago, he might not have been a, a known commodity. I'm, I'm sure that there are lots of Tennesseans who, who didn't know him until this week. John, what does this mean for somebody who was an outsider very recently to come in and clearly dominate in the Republican primary? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Mr. Lee has come on in a way that's really impressive. Um, he ran, I think, a campaign that he was fundamentally comfortable with. It was a message about uh, himself and about how he wanted to give back. And it wasn't necessarily about a lot of hard policy issues. He's certainly conservative, but at the same time, he was, you know, likable. And I think that made a big, a big difference. And, you know, he dominated a race that, you know, seven or eight months ago, everybody assumed that Congresswoman Black would, would win. And that didn't happen. Yeah. Do you, do you see any echoes of a, of a Winfield Dunn or a Lamar Alexander, you know, a GOP person who, who's just an outsider, again, coming in seemingly out of nowhere to, to, to cruise to victory? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, the, the the realities are that you had you you have Republicans basically voting for a set of Republicans, and so you don't have that anchor partisanship. And somebody who comes in and sets the right kind of tone and the right kind of message can all of a sudden come out of nowhere. We see huge swings in in primaries because you don't have that anchor partisanship. And Billy took advantage of it, and Diane Black and Randy Boyd, um, you know weren't the victors tonight and they got, you know, finished second and third. As you noted, I think the conventional wisdom entering the race is that this was representative Diane Black's race to lose. Randy Boyd spent nearly, if not more than $20 million, you know, of his own money to, to come in and, and try and win this race. Can you talk a little bit about the role that the negative ads from both the Boyd campaign and the black campaign may have played in kind of pushing down their own efforts and helping Bill Lee? I think that's a big part of the story. I mean, one of the things that we know that negative ads can be powerful tools, but they are very, they can be very tricky if you're in a multi-candidate race. And I always thought there was a chance that Bill Lee, perhaps Beth Harwell, but more likely Bill Lee could be the benefactor of a nasty race between Boyd and between Black. And that's exactly what happened. And then you began to see that Lee was getting attacked, which told me that their internals were showing that Lee was gaining. And by that point, it was a little too late because people wanted a more positive message, and Lee delivered that. Um, and Lee also happens to have one of the best ad people in the, in the country um, working uh, his ads, uh, Fred Davis. And they they had a couple of ads that were very subtly negative, you know, making doubt, raising doubts about those who were attacking Lee. It was a brilliant strategy. Sure, I agree. It felt like it was too little too late when, when Boyd and, and, and Black kind of aimed at, at, at Lee. During their concession speeches, we heard from Randy Boyd and Diane Black 
talking about that they're ready to support Bill Lee. Can you talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. how fast Republicans need to or can get in line after, as you noted, they had kind of a nasty primary? They had a nasty primary, but the two nasty, the people who were firing off most of the negative ads finished second and third. And so I think it'll be pretty easy for Bill Lee to rally um, the party behind himself and, you know, go into the campaign in a, in a pretty unified fashion. I don't think that'll be particularly uh, difficult. I mean, the real interesting thing will be, you know, is the campaign message that he had in the, in the primaries will work in the general election versus Carl Dean, who's trying to pitch more, much more of, you know, a problem solver, talking about policies, being much more specific, where Billy's been a little bit vaguer, and we'll see if he then tries to flush out some of his views more, or he continues on this kind of personal narrative. And, you know, time will tell. It'll be an interesting campaign. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It seems like Bill Lee at this point is much more of the unknown commodity compared to two-term former mayor, Nashville mayor, Carl Dean. You referenced Dean's victory. He just cruised a victory tonight. He was up against House Minority Leader Craig Fitzhugh. There were some in, in liberal Tennessee circles who who wanted to see Fitzhugh run on this this Medicaid expansion and education reform, can, uh, reform campaign, and he just got, got crushed. Can you talk a little bit about Dean's victory tonight and what he needs to do to get ready to pivot into the general election. Well, you know, I think that that Carl Dean has been running the general election campaign from the beginning. Um, And so he doesn't need to pivot as much. He needs to keep his message and he's been honing that message. And I think it's one that's, you know, starting to resonate. I mean, this is, you know, the state is a conservative state, but it is also pragmatic. And so it'll be really fascinating to see how both Lee can hook into that and how Dean will continue to try to hook into it. Um, you know, it's going to be uh, an interesting campaign. And between that and the Senate race, I mean, Tennessee politics at the, the statewide level will be really interesting for the first time in about a decade. Do you see Bill, Bill Lee being the, uh, the, the early favorite heading into this race, or is it just too early to say? It'll be probably too early to say because Billy's name recognition is still pretty low. And Carl Dean, while better known, still isn't a household name. So I think it'll be, uh, you know, you'll have a race that might show that Lee would have, let's say, 36 percent of the vote and, and Dean having 35 percent in some sense of tie. But there'll be a lot of, you know, don't knows out there. Um, and so they'll both have to just turn immediately to trying to get, you know, their name recognition up even more and then start trying to fight for those uh, independents and then some of the kind of uh, – might call them some of the Haslam conservatives, you know, well, the Dean will want to try to peel off and we'll see if he's able to. Sure. Also, as you noted, uh, the, the Senate race is official now. We all anticipated it was going to be a Blackburn, a Blackburn versus Bredesen race. It's, it, it now formally is. It feels like a lot of the political attention is going to shift away from the gubernatorial race to the Senate race. Do you see that happening? I think nationally, it certainly will. And I think probably within the state, it could, because it's, you know, Marsha Blackburn may try to go after Bredesen more than I think Dean and, and Lee. I think they'll both try to run more positive campaigns. And so Blackburn may, you know, try to stir the pot. I mean, it'll be really fascinating because obviously both Marsha Blackburn and Phil Bredesen cruise uh, to victory. But it's worth noting that, that Pettigrew got nearly 16 percent of the vote and did not run a very visible campaign. I think that Marsha Blackburn has a lot of tending to do to the Republican base. And we'll be interested to see how she does that. Pettigrew is the, is the no name candidate who, who ran against Blackburn in the primary. And as you noted, got any votes. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty surprising considering again, nobody knew who he was. 
Exactly, and I think it's a measure of the the, the dissatisfaction with Blackburn. And so it'll be really interesting. And um, Phil Bredesen has tapped into that pretty effectively. You know, he's probably probably ahead by five, six, seven points. And, you know, it's going to be a battle of whether she can bring some of those Republicans home that are attracted to, to Phil Bredesen. And it'll be a pitched battle, and it's going to be close. I mean, anybody who thinks it's going to be lopsided, unless there's some massive blue tide out there nationally, um, it's going to be close. And I think the gubernatorial race will be close as well. Both of them will be fascinating to watch. John Gear, Vanderbilt professor, uh, helps run the Vanderbilt poll. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. Clearly, very early in the U.S. Senate race, we've known who the candidates who, who are going to be, but but Marsha Blackburn hasn't really started her campaign yet. But as as John noted, hundred thousand votes for a guy you've never heard of in this primary should be a concern for Marsha Blackburn. Yeah, especially uh, given that he is a truck driver. Is that what he is? Oh, he's a, he's, yeah, he's a truck driver. Yeah, we got a breaker breaker there. Oh yeah, I think he's a, he's a he's a Wyoming native too. If there's anything that that Tennesseans just love, it's a a transplant <laughs> coming in to run in their Republican primaries. But again. 100,000 votes. No, I mean, but on the Republican side, they're going to point out Marsha got 599,000 votes, right? That's almost 600,000, where Phil Bredesen, he got 343,000. Now, maybe you can make the argument that, okay, so she's close to uh, at least double his or close to double his. But, um, you know, I think this is still going to be an interesting race. People are going to read a lot into that and say, is this an anti-Marsha vote, uh, this vote for Pettigrew? And, and probably is, you know, maybe that means that not all Republicans are happy with her. But at the end of the day, the bet that people are making is that Republicans will coalesce. They'll come around to Marsha uh, sometime before November, they hope. And they, they might not be just ecstatic about Marsha, but we've seen that Tennessee Republicans are pretty big fans of the president. That's right. And he's already come to Nashville once. There's a really good chance he's going to come back, if not once, potentially multiple times, especially because the Republicans have such a narrow hold on the U.S. Senate. They can't afford to lose a seat that has been reliably Republican like a Tennessee Senate seat. So if it looks like it's going to be close, which right now it absolutely does, you can see the president come in one, two, um, who knows how many times, right? And that's clearly not only going to help uh, Marsha, it's clearly also going to help Bill Lee. Yeah, and and they immediately will probably embrace each other and try and campaign. I think uh, Blackburn actually at an event uh, on Election Day with Governor Haslam said she will do that. Governor Haslam will be out on the stump. He is the chairman of the Republican Governors Association. He's already made the argument and will continue to make the argument why Bredesen, who he says is a a you know uh, he relies on for advice and is a good guy. Uh, but why Bredesen would be the bad choice, uh, again, largely because that would tip the scales in Democrats' favor, and that's not what Republicans ultimately want. Yeah, not sure we're going to see that same sort of unity campaign from the Democrats. I think I think the Phil Bredesen camp has their idea for what they want to do. I'm not sure they want to make this a national campaign. I think Carl Dean has his own idea about what he wants to do and how he can make this his own campaign. I think Tennessee Democrats are very excited to have two legitimate 
viable candidates who absolutely could win their races in, in these these massive statewide elections. It's been a long time since Democrats have had strong candidates like well, this. Well, and the last time uh, they did was Phil Bredesen running for governor. So I went back and looked at uh, Bredesen's primary uh, votes in the gubernatorial elections in 2002 and 2006 and compared them to this year's uh, U.S. Senate race. Again, not necessarily apples to apples, but if you want to just look and see how did Bredesen fair this year compared to what he had gotten in the past. So in 2002, he got 426,000 votes in the Democratic primary as he ran for governor the first time there. Uh, In 2006, he got 393,000. This time, he got 343,000. So he's been gone for for a decade, essentially, from politics. And so to to come up with 343,000 in a race that people were energized and excited to vote, but they didn't need to it's go not out. contested no it's not contested no. right there wasn't a con- i mean clearly there wasn't a contested gubernatorial race clearly there wasn't a contested senate race right. and he's still getting you know 300,000 plus votes to come out whereas in in 02 and 0 not in 06 but 02 it was a, con- a contested race mm-hmm. so that's a that's a ton of votes for a statewide democrat you anticipate that there's only going to be more in in the general election uh, democrats always play into the turnout game they always need more votes uh, we'll we'll see what happens in the general. It's going to be fascinating to watch. You guys should stick with us throughout the, the, the cycle. Joel is just so excited to keep writing these stories. He's excited to not take any breaks. He's going to sleep <laughs> no in the vacation, office tonight. No vacation. No vacation. Going to hit the ground running. A ton of coverage coming up in Tennessean.com and throughout the USA Today Network. Please continue to like us and review us wherever you listen to this podcast. It helps us find new listeners uh, and bring you the great content that you like. Uh, again, this has been a special episode of the Grand Divisions podcast. I'm Dave Boucher investigative reporter. And I'm Joel Ebert. We'll see you next week. And thanks for tuning in.